Today's reading is from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and with and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw... And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But the Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he moved with, was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy, Jesus said to him. Go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. This uh, passage is so familiar. It is a a passage that is the lectionary text for today. We did not choose this passage. This passage chose us. You know know the the story. A, A lawyer asks Jesus, how can I inherit the kingdom of God? How can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus asks him a question. Well, what does the scripture say? And... He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, do likewise and you will receive eternal life. And then the lawyer was looking for a loophole and said, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story. It's a scandalous story. It's the kind of story that probably added to death threats on Jesus. Because he took the religious people of his time and basically said, they don't get it. And he took the impure, unclean, unrighteous people of his time and said, they get it. They're the ones doing God's work. They're the ones who are reflecting God's call to care for all people priest walks by, doesn't care, 
doesn't want to dirty his hands. That's a great children's sermon. Sign of love, dirty gloves, yes. Levite, likewise, walks by. You can't blame them, really, because what they, what they were doing was just trying to um, keep themselves pure. If they had touched the blood, they would have been impure. They would have been unable to do the work that God was calling them to do. But sometimes you've got to break the rules to do what is right. And Jesus says, but then a third man comes by the side of the road and he was a Samaritan. Oh, Jesus. How could Jesus do this? How could Jesus even say the word Samaritan? Samaritans in the time of Jesus were seen as impure, unclean, outsiders, not faithful. They were dirty. They were impure. They were worshiping, but not the right way of worshiping. They weren't worshiping in the temple in Jerusalem. They were worshiping somewhere else. They were they had compromised their faith. They had intermarried with another culture. And Jesus lifts up the Samaritan as the one who exemplifies God's love for all people. Jesus and the prophets of the Hebrew Scriptures were always saying God's kingdom is a kingdom where all are brothers, all are sisters, and God's love is for so many more people than just our one faithful tribe. Jesus and the, the prophets of the Hebrew scriptures are always saying God's love includes people of different cultures than ours, different ethnicities than ours, different languages than ours especially those who are on the margins of life, those who don't fit into our purity codes. In this story, Jesus seems to be saying, Samaritan lives matter. And throughout the Gospels, Jesus seems to be looking at all of those who are on the margins of life and lifting them up in particular and saying, lepers' lives matter. Or perhaps in another passage, Jesus is saying, widows' lives matter. In biblical times, widows were on the margins. They had no rights. They had no access to finances. They were dependent on the goodness of strangers and neighbors. And Jesus lifts up the widows and say, they matter. Jesus lifts up children who had no rights, no place in society, and, say, and said, children's lives matter. In a time when women had no rights, 
no access. Jesus consistently interacts with women, lifts them up and says, women's lives matter. And in particular, a Syrophoenician woman, again, not in the tribe, not in the purity codes, not in the insider's group of acceptability. Jesus says, a Syrophoenician woman's life matters. Have you been following Brexit? Some of you are watching your... Uh, Retirement funds and wondering how's Brexit going to affect me? How's the vote of Great Britain going to affect the global economy? How's it going to affect the world? In the last two weeks, hate crimes in Great Britain, both in word and deed, have risen fivefold against immigrants, against people whose native language is not English, against people in Great Britain whose skin is dark. Hate crimes, five times as high as they've been. The Methodists of Great Britain recently voted to support a quiet statement that is consistent with who we are as United Methodists, followers of Jesus in the John Wesley tradition, who taught us that our faith is not only a personal relationship with God, but it is a holy relationship with those who are in need. It is the balance of personal piety and social holiness to work as followers of Jesus to make this community, this world, a better place, a more just place, a more compassionate place, especially for those who are on the margins. Some of you may have noticed that I'm wearing a safety pin on my shirt, but were too polite to ask me if that was keeping my shirt together. I'm wearing this safety pin as a gesture of solidarity with brothers and sisters in Christ and brothers and sisters of goodwill in the United Kingdom who are wearing these to communicate to immigrants, if you want to sit next to me on the bus, I'm a safe person because I'm wearing a safety pin and I accept you and I honor you and I will stand up for you. The Methodist Church just voted this past week to have their congregations throughout the United Kingdom pass out safety pins to those who wish to wear them, to create a, a culture of safe people who are willing to stand up for immigrants, willing to stand up for someone who may be on the receiving end of racist comments willing to stand up to friends who may be telling a joke that's off-color or racist or bigoted. And Methodists are beginning to be a part of this movement. I don't know. I'm going to invite you to take one if you wish. 
and put it somewhere that may be a reminder to you, to us, that we long to be safe people for those who are hurting, safe places, sanctuaries for those who are feeling marginalized, afraid, vulnerable. To be a safe person doesn't mean we have all the answers. It doesn't mean we're not wrestling with our own racism. It doesn't mean that we've got it right. It means that we are trying to listen more and speak less. We are trying to live into what it is to be a Christ follower. We are imperfect. None of us have arrived yet. But we're trying to be people who are safe, people who are good neighbors. The UK is not the only ones that are wrestling with racial tensions. This has been a difficult week for the United States. It has been a painful week for us. It has been a painful reminder of how far we still have to go to make this world and this country a safe place for people of all races. It has been painful to watch the videos that have come out of Louisiana, Minnesota, and Dallas. This text that Jesus gave to us and that the lectionary gives to us today reminds us that our neighbor is Alton Sterling. Our neighbor is Philando Castile. Our neighbors are in the Dallas Police Department, especially those who were killed. Lauren Ahrens. Michael Kroll, Michael Smith, Brent Thompson, Patrick Zamaripa. We are reminded that our neighbors are people who walk in Black Lives Matter rallies. White people, black people, brown people, Asian people, young people, old people, religious people, atheist people, they are all our neighbors. This week, the Council of Bishops of the United Methodist Church came out with a statement. I want to read it to you in its entirety. It was sent by Bishop, Bishop Bruce O., and if you want to read this, it was posted this morning on the Chatham United Methodist Church Facebook page. He writes on behalf of the Council of Bishops of the United Methodist Church, a word that may be a word of encouragement for the work, the hard work that is ahead for all of us. In the aftermath of violent deaths this week in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, St. Paul, Minnesota, and Dallas, Texas, we speak to a nation that is overwhelmed with anger, grief, frustration, and despair. These deaths 
have left our hearts and voices crying for justice. The preliminary evidence and the shocking video images are a convincing reminder that we have work to do. The deaths of young black males in encounters with white police officers call for the need of a bipartisan political and legal response beyond the statements and prayers of the church. The subsequent deaths of police officers remind us of the honorable service of the great majority of these public servants and the destructive cycle of violence and retribution. We pray for each family in their profound loss and grief. We call upon the people of the United Methodist Church to enter into the challenge and complexity of this present moment. We affirm that every person is created in the image of God. We acknowledge our complicity in the sin of institutional racism, which denies the inherent sacred nature of every person. We confess that we have often allowed our ideological differences to become more important than our unity in the one body. We repent of our temptation to live in fear of one another and to seek security apart from God. We claim the essential need for all Christians of privilege to listen and seek deeper understanding when our brothers and sisters cry out for justice. We commit ourselves to speak on behalf of those who are denied justice. We support the difficult work of those in law enforcement and at the same time seek ways of moving toward better community engagement. We pledge to address the problem of mass incarceration of young black males in our society. We recognize the temptation to become numb in the face of persistent mass violence and we hear the call as disciples of Jesus to move beyond lovers of peace, to become peacemakers. Let us together pray that God will work through us to bear witness to Christ's call to bring healing to a fractured community and a broken world. When we cannot find the strength within ourselves, may we turn to you for we know you call us to love our neighbor. Remind us, O oh God, that love casts out all fear. Make us a people of transformational change, of reconciliation, of justice, and instruments of your peace. Even now, and especially now, we offer this prayer in the face of struggle, pain, tragedy, and unrest. And yet with confidence in the power of your love, O oh God, our Redeemer, Healer, the Prince of Peace. We pray in our own time for the fulfillment of the prophecy given to Zechariah at the first advent even as we pray, come Lord Jesus and claim the promise of the gospel. 
in Luke 1, verses 78 and 79. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Friends, we are living in tense and stressful times. I watched the news with, this week and sensed that we may be standing on a precipice. Will we as a country become better or bitter? That choice lies in our hands. And people of faith, I have a profound sense that God is calling us to work together to make this country and this world a better place, a more just place, a more compassionate place. But if we are to be used by God, we need to be centered. We need to be grounded in God's love. We need to be steeped in prayer. Because if we are not, it would be so easy for us to be wrapped up in the anger that is circling around us. And I, I know there is a place for anger. There is a place for righteous anger. Sometimes it is righteous anger that makes us a better country and a better people. But if the anger takes up squatter's rights in our souls, we may not be as fruitful as we could be. And so I commend a prayer to you that may help us be vessels of God's grace and God's peace, even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of anger that is within us and around us. I posted it early this week, the prayer of St. Francis. It has been shared, I don't know how many times on our Facebook page, but over 5,000 people across the, the country and the world have seen our Chatham UMC Facebook post of this prayer. Because people are resonating with it. They're longing to live this prayer. They're longing to exemplify this prayer. It is in our hymnals. It is number 481. I invite us to turn to this so that we might pray together the prayer of St. Francis from the 13th century that is as timeless as ever and needed in this time in this age. Number 481 in our hymnal. Friends, let us pray this together. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning 
that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen.